During the pandemic, HR professionals have been unusually busy. My HR friends have been so busy that they've been too busy to be interviewed for my podcast. The window of opportunity opened and I swooped in. My friend Carolyn Powell is an HR executive who generously allowed me to interview her for longer than usual. So we have two interviews from Carolyn. This is part one, which addresses interview strategies and more. Be sure to come back for part two, where we discuss how to excel when things are less than ideal at work. Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, multiracial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second, to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. Carolyn Powell, my guest today, is a graduate of Boston University. She is an HR executive with more than 20 years of experience in Fortune 500 companies. Carolyn has been promoted to numerous roles of increasing responsibility and complexity in environments of constant change. Her responsibilities have included talent management planning to define succession plans and identifying high potential employees and mission critical roles. Carolyn Powell is one of the best HR professionals I know. I am so grateful that she's been able to take the time to record this podcast. Given today's economic environment, along with all of the other accompanying challenges that we have, it's important for people to hear from a competent HR professional about what the employment landscape looks like and what possibly we can expect going forward. It's changed a lot. The workplace, as we know, from a year ago has changed a great deal. Hopefully, we can get through this without much incident, but this is a challenge. And Carolyn, with her expertise and experience, is one of my go-to people when I have an HR issue. Carolyn, thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning, Beverly. Thank you for having me. And thank you for that wonderful introduction. I really appreciate the support and the accolades. And as you know, you and I have known each other for 
20 some odd years, hard to believe. And I always tell people, you're my employment lawyer and my sounding board. So it's good to have a friend and long-term colleagues like we've been for each other. And you know, Carolyn, thank you for mentioning that. Because whether you're employed or you're trying to get employed, let me just give you this tip. You need to make friends among coworkers who may not be working next to you. You need to make friends with coworkers who work in the other departments. It is so helpful. It will help you navigate the constantly changing employment terrain. Seriously, keep that in mind. Wherever you go on your employment journey, Carolyn and I, as she has said, we've been friends for years and we've been through the trenches together and both of us have remained standing. Absolutely. And I agree, just to build on what you're saying, one of my firm beliefs in life is that you learn from everyone around you and you get so much out of life by opening yourself up to getting to know people at all levels in all walks of life and uh, learn from their experiences. And that helps in, in your professional and your personal life and, you know, really broadens your perspective. Let's focus on what HR people are looking for in the way of new employees. And then maybe later, if we have time, we can talk about perhaps what a person who is considering becoming an HR professional should be concerned about or, or should be doing to in furtherance of that goal. So why don't we start? What are HR people looking for in the way of employees, Carolyn? Yeah, well, I'd say most companies and, and HR in support of the organization are looking for people and talent that supports their organizational objectives, whatever those objectives might be. If you are a healthcare company, a hospital, you know, it might be certain technical skills, but also some core competencies like empathy and being able to connect with people. And I'd say that translates very well to the professional world. I'm the head of HR for a regional bank here based in New Jersey. And we now are pivoting to focus on growth. So there's things that are important to us, such as the employee experience, customer experience, making people feel safe and secure and wanting to bank with us, making small businesses want to bank with us in the way we support our community and that we make a commitment to them and they can count on us. So when we're out looking for employees or new employees or even promoting and developing employees within the company, we look for people who resonate with our core values and who represent those things in the organization and will demonstrate a commitment to their colleagues and being a good team member and also demonstrate a commitment to the customer and putting the customer first in the way we think about the business that we're doing. Now, does your bank use pre-employment testing? We do in some cases. In certain roles, it depends on your level. At the higher levels, we use a tool that helps predict certain behaviors, what your natural operating behavior might be and how you might behave under pressure. And that may be, and that's not good or bad. I always say, you know, your core behavior pattern is yours and it helps understand what you might be best at. So for example, my behavior, I'm highly extroverted. I really enjoy working with other people. So I'm very team oriented. I'm very collaborative, but I'm also very driven. I like to have a plan. I like to have something I'm moving towards. In the absence of having something, I create something, create goals for myself, for my team. So if you were looking at my profile, you might see me in HR, you might see me in a leadership role, and you might see me, you know, as a highly collaborative individual and say, does that work with your company? Now, 
If you looked at a profile and said this person is highly introverted, extremely data-driven, likes to work in um, isolated environments, you might think of that person as a great scientist in a pharmaceutical lab, and that would be a great role for them. And it's really about finding the right fit for the right individual. And it's very important, and I, I encourage people, job seekers, to think about taking these assessments for themselves, really understanding yourself is going to be an important part of finding the right fit for you. And it also helps you practice when you go for an interview and somebody asks you to take an assessment. If you're used to taking these types of assessments, you won't be nervous about it. And as I said, there's no right or wrong. It's really who you are and what your profile is. But understanding yourself and what makes you happy, what makes you feel engaged, what gets you excited that will really show through as you're interviewing with someone else when you can talk about what you're passionate about and it comes through and they see it echoed in, let's say, a, a profile of this kind, which might focus on what are the key strengths. Something else organizations do and when they're using these types of profiles is they think about how they're going to integrate a team. So if I have a team where everyone is this uh, you know, highly extroverted, driven, goal-oriented. That sounds terrific, right? But it doesn't always give you the most balanced view. Like you always want a balance of personalities on the team. I always say you always want the naysayers. You want the someone who's going to tell you all the things that could go wrong with your plan. The someone who's going to pipe in and say, here's the 10 things I'm concerned about, because that makes your business and your planning that much stronger by having this diversity of opinion and personalities participating. I think it, it, it helps to your point, because what you just said is almost counterintuitive. You would think that you want everyone on the same page, but you're absolutely right. You need to have varied perspectives. I think the key is delivering a viewpoint in a way that is not overly aggressive or overly judgmental or very negative, the way you put it. Well, what do you think about this? This is something that I thought of. Would this be a problem? Asking the question as opposed to maybe being accusatory or saying definitively, oh, no, that won't work. No, just put it out there for consideration and see what people say. But that's critical. You have to have different viewpoints in order to get the best product, I think. I couldn't agree more. And I'd say the most successful teams are built on this diversity of thought. And even, you know, take a team down if I'm working in a branch, I might be working on in that team within that branch to best service the customers in my community. And so much about servicing your customer is that dialogue. And we're actually helping people. And at that level, we use assessments that say, you know, not only the basics, <laughs> am I reliable? Will I show up for work? And there's things that you can tease out of some of these profiles to say, how reliable are you? But also, will I engage in conversation with the customer? Will I help understand their needs? We're always very cautious to say, I'm not trying to oversell you what you need. I'm trying to understand what you need so I can provide you the best services as your financial institution that I can. And that's what really differentiates us, you know, as we work in our communities. And it's important for a company to have that sense of identity and brand identity of who they are, because that will also differentiate you as an employer, that employer brand of who we are and why would you want to work for us versus the company across the street will help 
job seekers, you know, make those choices. So ask those questions when you go in for interviews. What differentiates you? You know, it's good to ask questions. People and employers are also testing you to say, what are you asking me? And you'll often hear in debriefs, wow, that person really had good questions. They really did their research. So go, there's so much available online. Go through the website, talk to people in the community. If you're interviewing, in my example, at a branch, go into the branch, be a customer, ask them, you know, get an assessment of what your experience is like working in that org. How do people feel about working there? That's all fair play. You know, people expect to be checked out as part of the process. Well, especially in a competitive market. And my advice is assume it's the most competitive market. Then you don't have to step up your game. You're always presenting your A game when you go out looking for a job. It boggles my mind that people don't feel that they have to research the company or the employer that they're going to interview with. Oh, yeah, you do. And to your point, be prepared to ask questions and they should be thoughtful questions that you really want to know the answers to. Yeah, and it's interesting because sometimes I would say if people make a big mistake, don't assume HR is the check the box interview. That HR person has an equal to or greater voice than the hiring manager. And they will say no. And if you get six yeses in a room and HR says no, it's very unlikely you're being hired because HR people are trained to discern things about, you know, through an interview about, as we've been talking about, patterns of success, what will this look like? And you'll hear them ask these behavioral-based interview questions, not just what did you do, but how did you do it? What did you learn from it? How did you apply your learnings? And they're listening for clues, not that you could do the job today, but that you can learn and develop because the companies aren't just hiring for the current job. They're, they're looking to hire you into a career. Um, into the company because the most expensive thing, just like customer acquisition, is talent acquisition. Getting you into the company. Once I have you in the company, I want to, you know, help develop you, help grow you. That's why, you know, we're very proud to offer some robust tuition plans for both undergraduates and graduates, as well as ongoing education internally and then leveraging external third party. But I'd say also know for yourself, what are you looking for? It's okay to come in at a high school and say you're looking for your first job, but you're also looking for a company that can help support you in pursuing a college degree um, or help you, you know, discern what it is you want to do for your career. And you're looking for someone who's going to help coach and mentor you and help you grow. Um, that's all fair game. So don't be afraid to put it out there for what you're looking for and where you are, no matter where you are on whether you're starting your work experience or you've been working for 30 years. Understand who you are and what you're looking for and what you're looking for for a company, but understand what the company is looking for from you. And the best, you know, matchup, just like any relationship, jobs are relationships. If you have a relationship where your goals and that other person or the, or the company's goals line up to yours, then you're going to have a healthy relationship. When you have a mismatch, this is when you need to work through things and say, is this really right for me if you're just interviewing? And be confident enough to say it's not right for me because the company will make those similar kinds of decisions. Like it's just not a right match for them. Well, you talked about the company's brand, but Prospective employees, personal brand, there's a lot of discussion around personal branding and prospective employees, job seekers, what are their brands? Do they need a personal brand? 
Will it help them? And I would submit to you, it only helps them if it's a positive brand. (laughs) If they're the ones that are reliable, punctual, they pay attention to detail, they are polite, civility. You may not like a person, but I think civility and mutual respect is critical in the workplace and elsewhere. I think people need to think about, to your earlier point, their self-assessment. Because from my perspective, that's part of it. Well, how do people describe you? Do they describe, what is your personal brand? How do they describe you? How do they think, what do they think of you? How do they think of you? And that can help a person create or develop or identify their personal brand. And then based on the self-assessment, and I agree, everyone looking for a job should conduct a self-assessment. And I say so in my new book, which will be out hopefully in March, GPS to Employment Success, but so that you can determine who you are and to Carolyn's point, what you want to do and whether the company, the employer that you're interviewing with or that you're researching in the hopes of getting an interview, whether that company is going to be a good fit for you. So it's work. That's the bottom line. It's work. They don't call job hunting for nothing. It's work. And that's what it takes. I would say looking for a job is a full-time job. That's why it's hard to look for a job while you have a job, but it's important to stay employed. So don't get it twisted, right? Don't go quit your job thinking you're going to go find a job and it's going to all work out. But I think you're right on personal brand. And I think there's some things to hone in on there to say, I do think a personal brand is important. I think having pride in your accomplishments, but but balanced, you know, like objective pride. So when I say pride, you should be proud of who you are, what you've accomplished, pride in your appearance and the way you present yourself. But be balanced, be respectful, get feedback, go to a colleague. And this is something I've always valued. And you, Beverly, you give me objective feedback. I don't I'm not going to you for an echo chamber. If I come to you and explain a situation, you're going to give me the full 360 on it. You're not going to tell me what I want to hear. You're not going to echo back to me the things that are coming out of my mouth. I said I could talk to myself then if that's what I was looking at. Seek out people, seek out advisors in your life, in your family, in your friends, who are going to sometimes tell you things you don't want to hear. Like, hey, that nose ring is not going to work on that interview. Or you may want to rethink that suit. Or that might be nice for Saturday night, but I wouldn't wear those shoes to an interview. Like you got to be ready to take some critique and know that you have to, as I like to think, put on the uniform. I work, as I say, in a bank and I do wear a suit to work every day. I don't wear a suit on the weekends, but I put on a uniform and I go to work because that is the way I present myself at work. And it's also natural for me and it's comfortable for me because I've been presenting myself that way in the workplace for a number of years. Now, if you're coming out and you're thinking, well, that's stuffy. I like jeans and a t-shirt. Well, you know, and that might be okay, depending on where you're looking to go to work. I think there's a lot of cachet around working for technology firms and thinking folks are going to work out of their living rooms or their bedrooms and it's all going to be comfy. but Sometimes that's not the reality. Now, I really like getting dressed and going to work. It's part of kind of sets the stage in my head and my game space. Like when I put on that jacket and I say, you play a role at work, just like you play a role at home. It doesn't mean you're not being sincere about who you are. It's part of your personality and the way you display yourself. 
So I think it is important. And when you're thinking about your brand, think about where you're going to interview. If I was going into a very progressive marketing firm, for example, and I could see and also ask the people you're going to interview with, how do people dress here? And if they say, oh, we dress casually, don't worry about it. I would always say you want to be less casual than the people going there to work every day. So if they tell you they're a jeans environment, you feel free to dress down. I would say a pair of slacks and a jacket, you'll always look ready to go. You don't have to wear the pole pinstripe suit and a tie and really feel like you stand out and don't fit in. But I wouldn't go assuming that you're working there. I would always dress up a little bit, no matter how casual they tell you the environment is. A nice jacket always makes a big difference on any outfit. So if you're going in and you're starting to interview and thinking, do I need interview clothes? The answer is yes, you don't need a lot. But make a couple of investments, nice pair of shoes, a nice jacket, and then everything else you can mix and match, especially as a woman or a man. But people will notice a first impression and it will say something about you as a candidate. And it can be a test. If you ask and they tell you, it can be a test. They want to see what you come in with. And if they say, oh, it's casual and you come in with jeans and a t-shirt, That speaks volumes. You could have on, you could have worn casual pants that were pressed and a nice shirt and to Carolyn's point, a jacket and unscuffed shoes. And that state would be casual, but I'm coming for an interview. It's different. It is different. Now, I would also tell you're also assessing the workplace. So you always want the chance to say no. Go in, get the job and be able to say, no, I don't want this job, (laughs) but observe what's going on. Look all around you as you're walking in the door. I went into an interview once and I'll tell you, it jumped out at me. This was early in my career that all the men were in the offices and all the women were in the cubes and there was not one person of color in the entire office. And I walked in there and thought I would not want to work here. This would not work for me. Now, it happened to be I was working for a very large company at the time, and it was a division of that large company. And when I went back, I was working for the head of HR of the company at the time and gave him that feedback and then gave the president of that division that feedback. They both took it the right way. They took it as the feedback as it was intended. Now, understand I play a role in HR, but I think everybody should be able to give this feedback. I said, if I was interviewing off the street, I would not have seen myself fitting in there. So you should understand yourself and how you fit in. Now, one of the goals that president of that division was trying to drive was change. And I ended up taking that job, helping change that environment. And they took my feedback to heart. But that doesn't happen everywhere. That worked for me. And it was a great learning experience personally and professionally not only about knowing myself, but how to position change and wanting to affect change in the workplace in a very positive way and bringing those types of things to their attention, help them see things that frankly, they couldn't see themselves because they were part of the environment and it didn't land with them that way. So so I'd say going into any environment, observe the folks around. Do they look happy? Do they look engaged? Is there good energy in the place? How are they dressing? Do people seem comfortable? Is it a place you could see yourself fitting in? And that's something that I look for. I recently took this role right at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, two weeks before we went into lockdown. I started this new role. And one thing I observed, and I've looked for a lot, you know, jobs throughout my career is I wanted somewhere where 
I really enjoyed working with the people. Not only could I apply my skills and enjoy the work because I really enjoy the work I do, and I'm always looking to learn something new and leverage what I've done so far to do something new, but I have to enjoy the people I'm working with and I have to see them as folks I would enjoy collaborating with where I can really affect change. And that's what I've experienced. So I say sometimes it shows up in a dark blue suit, sometimes it shows up in jeans and a t-shirt, but you should know what are you looking for and will you feel like you can bring your self to work and be successful in this environment and be honest with yourself. And see, feedback, in my opinion, is a two-way street. You want to be able to give feedback constructively, but it's, I advise, consider all feedback, whether it's positive or negative, as a gift because it gives you information. Some people don't accept negative feedback well, but it can help you develop. It can identify areas in which you need development that you may not have thought you needed. And that's it. I find that some people, their back goes up. You start off giving good for the positive aspect of what you liked. But to your point, Carolyn, you may want to work on this. I thought about this and I thought you could do it maybe differently. What do you think about that? But in my experience, a lot of people don't like to hear. All they want to hear, Carolyn, is you're wonderful. That was wonderful. You did that so well. And none of us is perfect. We all need to hear what our warts look like so that we can try to address the warts. I try to get people to think of it no matter what it is. If you respect the person delivering the message, it's important. Even if you don't respect the person delivering the message, at least you know if it's negative feedback and you think there's an ulterior motive, you know for sure they're not in your corner and you need that information going forward. But people that you honestly believe are your friends or in your corner and want to see you succeed, when they tell you something that may be difficult to take, may not be something that you thought of, consider it. Give it consideration, weigh it. And if you don't accept it, maybe talk to someone else you respect and see what they have to say about what was shared with you before. You don't want to ignore sound advice that can help you develop into a better professional. That's just my thought. I agree with you 100%. And I like that. I said, you may not like it, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. And listen, people are making decisions about you and your career when you're not in the room. So understanding, you know, most companies do talent reviews where they're talking about who are their high potentials, who is their talent they want to focus on and develop. It's just realistic. We like to think we can develop all people. And I think some of that, it's a two-way street again with the employee and the manager. But in a place where they're saying is Carolyn, someone we should work on and develop. And you want to know you have supporters and advocates in that room. And it could be as much as, you know, if people are giving you feedback and you're shutting them down or saying they're out to get me or they're being negative, that'll come across versus a thank you for the feedback. We all have blind spots and I appreciate the sentiment. But I think your thought is a very good one around going to ask for feedback or 
or use a trusted sounding board. And somebody, sometimes they might be somebody outside the workplace, depending on what you're hearing. But but be careful. Like if you go to your grandma and say, hey, grandma, do you think I come across harsh? Your grandma loves you. She might say, no, have a cookie. Like you have to be sure you're checking who you're going to ask for. And I'd say it's also hard for people to give feedback. So I think to frame sometimes the giving and the getting of feedback, think about some techniques that it might be, what do you hope putting for? What are you observing? And what would you like? So it, it might go something like this. If I'm your manager and I'm sitting down with you, I might say, Beverly, I was really hoping that I could see you develop and take on some broader projects and, you know, work more with teams. I'm a little concerned based on some recent observations that we may not be on the right path. For example, you didn't turn this project in on time, or this wasn't fully developed, or there's some feedback from the team that you're not collaborating or you're not doing your part. So I want to talk about what that means so we can help you get back on track. Or if I reverse that and you're the employee, you might sit down with me and say, hey, Carolyn, when I took this, you know, came to work for you on your team, I was hopeful that I could, you know, be deployed onto some bigger, broader projects where I could get more exposure in the organization. That hasn't happened yet. Um, I, I'd like to understand what you think I could do differently in order to have those opportunities and how we might work towards that in the future. Um, and so that way, in a very non-confrontational way, you're kind of setting up observations. It's like a hope and observation and an action plan. But if your manager starts talking to you about some fundamentals about turning stuff in on time, I mean, there's no excuse for that. There's certain tickets to play. Like you have to have good attendance. You have to get your work done in a timely manner. You have to understand expectations and ask what those expectations are. And then if you can't meet them, talk to your manager about it. I'm concerned I don't have time to meet that deadline. I haven't worked on a project like this before. Could I perhaps partner with someone with more experience in this area so we could bring the best result? Like your manager is going to be successful because you're successful. They want you to be successful. So work together and have that dialogue, but be open to some feedback that there may be things and then there probably are because there's always things that any of us can do better every day and any day. So be prepared for that. And don't take it, things should start by being personal. I'm not going to say don't take it personally, because you should, but you should also take it in context of, have you heard this feedback before? Do you know yourself to be that way? What could you do to do better? And how could you adapt some of this feedback you're hearing to make yourself a stronger professional? And your second approach beats walking into your manager's office and asking, when am I going to get promoted? It's like, this is what I expected. This is what I thought I would be getting. I would get be getting exposure. Can you tell me how I can get there? That is so much more professional than waiting for whatever period of time and then being frustrated because you haven't been promoted when there are issues and there are reasons why you have not. And you just either weren't aware of them because one of the other things, Carolyn, is unfortunately everyone is not a good manager. We really haven't covered that, but that is the truth. That is true. Everyone is not a good leader, but hopefully we're talking about, we're focusing on good leaders, but it's a two-way street. To Carolyn's point, don't go in asking for a promotion, go in telling them what you expected and asking how you can go about moving in that direction. 
and being open to what you hear. Mm-hmm. Being prepared, being prepared. I always think that if you ask a question with the right tone, even if it's, can you tell me how I can move to the next step? Or how can I position myself to be promoted? It's not accusatory. It's your boss shouldn't be defensive. You can engage in a conversation about it. And then you can take notes so that you know what it is that you need to accomplish in order for you to move to the next step. Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at Williams at youremploymentmatters.com. My book, Get the Job Done, is available on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.